I think I I switch a lot or I have switched back and forth like I've tried to go with the current I've always been trying in some aspect of my life to be a professional writer um and then it gets to a point where I'm like oh I just want to be making more money and then I get a job yeah <laughs> but this time around I'm I'm going with it I have oh. my floaties on and I'm just gonna cruise Let's dig through the mud together We're so glad you're here Join us here each week For Mudlark Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Danny Boltz, and I am so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know there's so much to listen to right now. You know, there's so many podcasts. There's so much music. There's so many audiobooks. And the fact that you're here makes me feel very, very grateful. So thank you so much. I am really excited to bring returning guest Brittany Robinson onto the show today. Brittany is a freelance writer. If you have not listened to episode six, it was episode six, Balancing Wanderlust and Routine, Writing on the Road with Brittany Robinson. We talked all about her life and kind of more of some of the nitty gritty things that she has gone through. And today we're really focusing on on this huge transition she's made from working as lead editor at a company called The Dirt to fully freelance writing and really stepping into her power and living a very creative life. It was such a good conversation. She's also one of my best friends, so it was so fun to just get to know even more about her. We talk about her newest creative endeavor, which is One More Question, and it is a weekly newsletter she's created to help nonfiction writers learn how to pitch and she just talks to her community this growing community over at one more question about all the things that writers really didn't most writers didn't get to learn in college like she is giving the most impactful helpful advice for people wanting to live a freelance life. It's so cool. Uh, We talked about the concept of home, which is a topic that kind of yokes us together as friends. It's something we talk about all the time, what home means to us both. Brittany is just such a cool girl and such an incredible resource if you're looking to step into a career as a freelance writer. And ultimately, she can just serve as such great inspiration to anyone looking to live a more creative lifestyle. And I just love this conversation and I just love her and I can't wait to share her with you. Uh, Before we hop into the episode, I wanted to just put my feelers out here, obviously, um, as I'm wanting to interview some folks who consider themselves multi-passionate and people who are currently living a more unconventional creative life. I just want to bring you people that are doing the thing, like they are out there trying and so many of you reach out to me asking about how did you begin your creative life how did you start doing the things that you're doing with my business and yeah just letting go of a job and stepping into my power 
I want to bring you guests that have done that so you can see how it's done, see, yeah, from these amazing humans. So if you're one of these amazing humans, or I mean, you are, (laughs) but if you know anybody who would be a great guest for the show, please shoot me an email over at hello at dannybolts.com and just have my creative life in the subject line, please. It just helps me stay organized. So yeah, if you or someone you know think you'd be a good fit for the show, I would love to chat with you. So without further ado, let's move on to my conversation with Brittany Robinson. I'll see you on the other side. So I wanted to bring you back onto the show for a handful of reasons, but namely wanted to just talk about your new creative endeavor. Um, But before we jump into one more question, which is your weekly newsletter, I want you to just talk about who you are and (laughs) introduce yourself and yeah, just let the listeners hear about who you are. So who are you? (laughs) Like that I can do. (laughs) I'm Brittany. Um, this weekend I live in your Airstream outside. That is true. (laughs) Usually I live in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. I am a freelance writer and I've been doing that for about nine months, Mm -hmm. but I've been writing forever. Have you been freelancing for nine months? No? Yeah. Holy crap. I know. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. I quit my job in November. Okay. So... Brittany was on episode five of the podcast, which I'll link in the show notes. You, I thought it was less than that. It's already been that long. November, December, January, February, March, April, February, March. <laughs> Se- seven months. Okay, seven, seven months. months. Okay. okay, no, that's <laughs> it's still longer than I thought. I like on my notes. I was like, you know, like five months ago, like things were very different, yeah. but it's actually been more than that. Time has been very strange lately. It has been for everybody. <laughs> yeah, a complete blur. Mm-hmm. And you're Brittany Robinson. Yes, Austin Robinson, and you're visiting me in Montana right now. I am. It's so nice. <laughs> I've been stuck in Portland for months. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, get me out. <laughs> you need fresh air. Yeah, it's been so lovely. Yeah, and so yeah, talk about your transition. So you were working for a company back then as like an editor, head editor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was the managing editor at a tech startup. Right. Um, I was a freelance writer before I had that job and I worked there for about three years and I was just really craving the control and creativity that I get when I'm working for myself. Right. So the experience of editing and working for a big company was fun and exciting, but I'm definitely... <laughs> not meant to be working for other people no you are not I don't love that yeah when we met you were freelancing yes I was and yeah. you guys will hear if you go back to episode five um but we met because she was freelance writing and we got connected because I was living in another airstream at the time and it was through an interview you came over to the airstream and we yeah. fell in love yeah that's funny that it was in an airstream and now I'm back here in another one I know <laughs> it's poetic it's so sweet and so when we had talked the last time I mean, I kind of knew that you were thinking about leaving your job, but mm-hmm. then we didn't really want to talk about it on the episode because you were still working there. Oh, and yeah. I was still working there yeah, the last y- time we talked. Exactly. Yeah. You were still working there. Yeah. And I want to hear about how you found the courage to leave mm. the job where you're making fucking good money and yeah. go back to freelance. Yeah, that was it was scary to walk away from, but I knew for so long that... I needed to be doing this other thing. Um, I went to a writing retreat in Yellowstone National Park in July. 
that was all about environmental journalism. Um, and those are topics that have become increasingly important to me and urgent feeling in the last couple of years. And I don't, I didn't at the time know a lot about how to write about climate change and the environment, but just being around people who did and were doing it, I was like, okay, yeah, I got it. I got to go save the planet. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go do this. For sure. Um, so I actually had a timeline in my head where I was going to work at The Dirt. It's a, that's the company I was at. It's a camping app. Um, I was going to stay there until the end of the year, but they were just going through some changes and all of a sudden it felt like I had to do it immediately. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. I saw their path moving forward and it just didn't align with what I wanted to be doing. So I jumped ship pretty quickly. <laughs> Did you put in a two week? I put in two weeks and yeah, it was like a very amicable split. I really enjoyed working there and I, I love the people that work there. Yeah. Um, but it, it was like everyone knew that I wanted to be writing and I wasn't writing. So mm -hmm. it was no surprise. So that felt validating that everyone was like, oh, yeah, you should you should go do They're that. Like, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's helpful when people see that, you know, yeah. when you're like, I mean, it's OK to do things that. Yeah, we do things all the time that only we understand. But when you have a little bit of that support, it's like, oh, yeah, they do see that light in me. That little nudge is good. Mm -hmm, totally. Yeah. So what did you do first once you left that job? Um, well, I was going to be like all set up. I was had this plan where I was going to find some regular writing gigs before I left. So I would definitely have some money coming in. And I didn't do that at all. Right. <laughs> I just jumped ship without much of a plan. So I just started uh, pitching magazines. So I do like creative nonfiction journalism for online publications and print magazines so any stories that you read online that aren't like breaking news stories, that's probably the kind of writing that I do. Um, so the process for that when you're a freelancer is coming up with the stories first and emailing editors and trying to convince them to pay you for them. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please pay me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how did you learn how to pitch? Is that something you had to teach yourself? Did you learn about how to do that in college? That's a good question. You would think that. That was something they would teach you in journalism school, but I never wrote a pitch in school or had any inclination of what it was like to go find work as a freelance writer. That is crazy. It's so crazy. It seems like that would have been like half of your schooling. It 100% should be. And maybe if you go to a more traditional journalism school, that is. I went to like an art school mm -hmm. journalism program where they just make everything up as they go, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely learned to pitch on my own. I probably Googled how to pitch like eight years ago. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. But yeah. I, I really enjoy that process, actually. I think a lot of writers dread the the pitching part because you have to put a lot of work into selling a story before you ever actually get to write it right but for me it's like a really fun way to like distill a story down to a really digestible here it is in a sweet little package and I'll tell you more if you're excited about it yeah and it's like I'm trying to think there's something in my oh yeah it's like writing up an itinerary for one of my retreats yeah it, it's like I write out the itinerary and then I can build a the whole picture around it uh -huh. it feels like that yeah it's like my favorite for it yeah it's like my favorite part of it other mm -hmm. people will be like fuck I have to write up the itinerary I'm like no that's how 
then you can like it starts to form in your mind and yeah so would you follow like an actual like strategy are there things that you've made up um in the actual pitch email yeah I think the way that I write my pitches is pretty standard um you kind of open them with how you would try to open a story like it's all about grabbing the reader's attention Mm. um so like a little bit of a narrative intro is usually good and then I go into some research about why that story is relevant right now or people I would interview or some more details about what makes this narrative interesting and what the reader might learn and then I just wrap up with like a little bit about me and why I'm the person to write that story. Oh, it's so cool. It seems fun. It is fun. It seems really fun. It's less fun when you're sending them out a right. lot and no one's responding. Yeah. <laughs> then they do and you're like, ah. Yeah. Hey. Did you have you had many freak out moments since you mm-hmm. left your job? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like daily, (laughs) each hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And because I mean, when you're working for yourself and you're making that transition from being an employee to being your own boss, that creative lifestyle, Mm -hmm. it's like there, especially at the beginning, there are days and days that go by where nothing comes in monetary wise. Like you'll go days without seeing a dollar, right? Yeah. Yeah, It's totally feast or famine. Yeah. I always say. Right. And what have you done to just stick with it to combat those feelings of anxieties? Like, cause it mm. can be so easy to run back to something that, you know, like, you know, you're going to get a paycheck. Like how, how have you been able to combat those anxieties? Yeah. Um, weirdly enough. So COVID-19 happened. <laughs> we all know that. And that just really brought into light how much, the journalism industry is struggling right now because ad dollars just disappeared and a bunch of big publications shut down. There are a ton of layoffs in the industry. Just like everyone was kind of freaking out. Everyone is still kind of freaking out. Right. But I think seeing that happen and just having this certainty in me through that, that I still don't want to do anything else, even Mm. if this is getting harder, that knowing that I was like, okay, well, it doesn't matter if it's hard because I'm going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So I keep just going back to that. Like I, I've done, uh, I've worked so many different jobs and I've done freelance writing before and I know that I love it. And I know that this time I'm going to make it work because I have to. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like with all of the people that are working for companies that have lost their jobs that may not even be getting their jobs back. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but that's like really drilled in the importance of creating sustainability within my own brand yes because having something that you know even when it's fucking hard it can't end unless you stop yeah and you (laughs) it's you it's the amount of work that you put into it I know which is scary and exhausting right but also like so many people are suddenly thrown into that position where they have to figure it out on their own because they've lost their jobs so like kind of already being in that mindset where that's what I know that I'm doing. Right. Like I'm always going to be piecing together the bits that make it work. And it's always going to be a little bit of a hustle. But I I know that this work is what I'm meant to be doing. So mm. I just have to keep doing it. I know every day. It's <laughs> yeah. And just being okay with the fact that there's going to be harder times. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I mean, and you and I are the same in our like 
freedom being one of our most important values, I think. Absolutely. And it's like, I will take the five, six, seven, eight days where nothing comes in and I feel like, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Mm -hmm. I will take that to have my freedom. Yeah. Freedom within my days. Yeah. I know that there are sacrifices that I can make to to make this part work if I needed to, you know, lower the costs of my living situation or find ways to make it more sustainable while I figure out how to make more money. Right. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, for sure. So I want to hear about what birthed your new project because you were kind of in this, like you were saying, like feast or famine, like how am I going to make ends meet? It can be very hard to, for me personally, to get those creative pings and things that are not related to instant cash flow. Yeah. It's like almost impossible when I don't feel that flow. So how did you get, where did it come from? Where did one more question come from? Yeah. I feel like a few different seeds have been planted and one of them has been you. You've been encouraging me to like create something that's all mine and Mm -hmm. like put in the work into something that you can start selling to people, Mm -hmm. Um, which yeah, is scary because to me, I'm like every hour of my time, I want to be figuring out how to make money right now. And I have to put a lot of work in the back end that overwhelms me, but writing and talking about writing has always just come so easily to me. So, when the pandemic happened and writers were kind of freaking out about the industry, I saw everyone questioning, like, where is our place in this? Like, if all anyone is reading right now is news about COVID and you're not a science writer, then what do you write about? Or, you know, if you write big travel adventure pieces, how do you fit into this world where nobody is traveling? So, I think a lot of writers were questioning how to move forward. And I just felt in a place of not confidence. I was still questioning everything. And I was very scared about how the direction that journalism and the industry is going. But I I was coming from this like renewed place where I had pretty recently lost my job and was so excited about freelance writing. So I wanted to, I started this newsletter to just try to keep people excited about it. (laughs) I loved your first one because you sent you sent it out and you're just like hi everyone how are you probably not great yeah (laughs) because I mean what a tumultuous time like for so many people and you're coming from this end of like you're excited about a project Mm -hmm. and I think it could not have come out at a better time. Yeah I think so too. People need as many nuggets of encouragement and inspiration and you have such a niche right now because with one more question you are helping writers and it's mainly like nonfiction writers is that correct? yeah I guess it didn't actually say what it is it's a weekly newsletter for nonfiction writers right yeah and it's giving them the tools that you kind of had to acquire yourself like mm-hmm. I, I mean after college not knowing how to pitch not knowing how to do many things that are required to make a living yeah finding stories finding editors yeah all of those things that go into the freelancing part of writing right and so you're like I want to help people do this yeah I want to help and I want to talk about it like usually I do two a week and usually the first one is like it's an essay about writing so it's not so much like a how-to but it's like let's kind of dive into like what this means to me and what this means to writers and mm-hmm. um like the lifestyle of being a writer and and then uh 
Fridays they do a Q&A with an editor or another writer and that gets more into like the nuts and bolts of how to pitch and right how to find a story and how have you been able to find people to subscribe is it just like you're kind of like friends people close or how how has that worked um yeah that part is challenging at first it was just like putting it out on social media all the time and talking about it a lot um but since I have been in the writing community for a while um I do know a lot of writers, so a couple people link to me in resources that they send to freelance writers. Um, a good friend of mine, Susan Shane, runs wheretopitch.com, oh, okay. which is an awesome resource for writers. Um, you can like search a topic, and it'll give you a list of publications that might be interested in a pitch about that. Oh, that's amazing. We can li- we can put that in the show notes. Yeah, so she she linked to it, and that got me a bunch of subscribers and a couple other freelance writing resource related things so um a a tip that I heard recently is like borrowing other people's audiences at first is a big way right yeah I mean it's like the podcast community you know you were saying you got to get on some podcasts where they got some people listening and I'm like I know I'm scared (laughs) (laughs) but like that is how you get your word out it's like collaboration and connecting with other podcasters yeah yeah it sounds very similar and finding people who you know will see the value in what you provide yeah. and vouch for that. Absolutely. And have you been finding a sense of community through one more question? Yeah, I have. I really love that. That's so are people like responding? Does it yeah. feel some people have written back and said that like they placed a story because of a pitch I sent or Aww. because of a, a call for pitches from an editor that I included. And that's been really fun. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of like there has to be like a hashtag, like one more question or something. Oh, for... yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah. It begins now. Hashtag one more question. After you get a pitch or whatever. Yeah, I like that. I love that. So in one of your latest newsletters, you said something that I love so much. And I think that our listeners and even non-writers, non-writer listeners mm-hmm. could ask themselves these questions. They're just so parallel to like the creative living questions that I ask people. But what you said was, you said, ask yourself, when it comes to writing, what kind of work sucks you in? What kind of work is fun and easy? What tasks do you turn to when you're struggling to focus? Those things might not be what make you the big bucks up front, but I now truly believe there's so much opportunity waiting if you let the current carry you towards the work that feels good. Mm. I that gives me goosebumps because it's like it's like all I care about it's like when we follow the breadcrumbs when we follow the things that are bringing us joy Mm -hmm. there is so much prosperity at the end of that if we hang on yeah you have because you're not fighting it the whole time no and it's I mean even if it's not like this instant here you go million dollars you started this newsletter it's like it is bringing you joy it will yeah, it will. It can't. Yeah, it it can. can't not. Exactly. I love that so much. <laughs> Have you always been that way? Like, do you feel like you've been a person who's naturally kind of gone with the current or is this kind of newer for you? I think I I switch a lot or I have switched back and forth. Like I've tried to go with the current. I've always been trying in some aspect of my life to be a professional writer Um. And then it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, I just want to be making more money. And then I get a job. Yeah. <laughs> but this time around, I'm I'm going with it. I have oh. my floaties on and I'm just going to cruise. <laughs> it's 
I love picturing that. <laughs> You're like in those little baby arm floaties. Yeah. You're like, oh, take me, <laughs> take me. And I mean, it could also just be, I mean, you and I are both in our 30s. It's like, mm-hmm. don't you just feel so much more in like your essence? Yes. The essence of who you are. Yes. I figured out. I know what brings me joy. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the kind of, I don't know exactly how it's going to look and I don't, think I need to but I know what's important to me in my life and like yeah I know I'm heading towards those things what are your values like say just to kind of distill your values into like three words Mm. freedom like we just said uh creativity curiosity curiosity might come before creativity oh I love that yeah I always want to be learning more yeah and even though I'm such an introvert I also want to always be meeting new people and learning from them right which has been the newsletter is pretty great for an introvert who wants to (laughs) reach out to a bunch of people I get to talk to you from my couch in my pajamas (laughs) and I can respond by email (laughs) yeah oh that's so wonderful um I think it was I mean I've talked about values based intentions and just values in general a lot on this show because I'm really trying to construct my life to surround my values Mm -hmm. which are very similar to yours um but how are you do you do you think of your values when you're shaping your life right now like does this align with these things definitely um being freelance is like the number one thing for freedom and for creativity and curiosity because I can find the things that excite me and write about that right like yeah, I mean, there are some jobs that I take where I'm assigned topics, and those are kind of great, too, because you don't always want to be creative. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I just, my, the thing I get most excited about is hearing a nugget of a story that I don't think people have heard before and just following that and turning it into something where people learn something new about the world. Right. And I learned something new about the world. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like what you are drawn to writing about, does it kind of go, like, is it like thematic? Like you're really into environmental things for a while. You're really into tiny homes for Mm. a while. Like, does it feel like that? Like you kind of go through waves of different interests? Yeah, I definitely will kind of fall into one topic for a while. But certain themes just always come back for me, like talking about home. That's what I was interviewing you about when we first met. That's a recurring theme that just keeps coming up. And travel in the outdoors are always big parts of my life. So yeah, writing about that a lot. Yeah. I I know we talked about it. It's been a long time since I listened to our first interview. Mm-hmm. But you and I talk about the concept of home all the time. We like do. we're obsessed <laughs> with it. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, I'm sure it has to do with the reason why we're friends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I'd love to like talk about that for a minute because I think it's I'm just so curious about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why are we obsessed with it? And what I'm saying for those of you who have no clue or didn't listen to episode five with Brittany but when it comes to the concept of home Brittany and I are like always wondering what does that look like what does it feel like do I need to be buying a second home do I need Mm -hmm. to be living in a ton of different locations I don't know where does that come from yeah I think that is like I think all three values that I mentioned kind of 
lend themselves to wanting to live in a bunch of different places. Yeah. <laughs> like same being able to move around and just curiosity. Like I have lived in pretty different places. Um, and like your life is totally different when you do that. It's yeah. like, that's such an exciting thing to me that you can just go move somewhere and like start from scratch. It's so that's cool. Not, that's not always the right answer. Like sometimes we should figure out some things about our life where we're at, but right. Um, yeah, like I've lived in on the East Coast and the West Coast, and now I'm like, hmm, New Mexico sounds cool. I've never I lived know. in the desert before. Right. Like, what, what would my life look like down there? And yeah. That's and it, exciting to me. I think it's also like, I just want to live as much life as humanly possible. I want to have as many experiences as possible. And I just, like you said, when we're living in a different spot, our whole, whole world changes. And I just want to keep seeing that, that evolution yeah especially in the u.s where it's like like i don't have a lot of desire to go overseas same there's just so much here and it's like it's different countries with how much u.s culture changes from place to place even coming out to montana after being in portland where like all of the protests against police brutality have been going on in portland and then you come out here and we drove by like a a pro-law enforcement parade and it's, it's terrifying like it, it just you know by the way I so almost much variety <laughs> I almost honked because I thought they were just being like waving and sweet and, and she like puts her hand on my leg she's like don't honk and I'm like but luck <laughs> she's like don't do it <laughs> uh yeah I'm sure there are some nice people in there but <laughs> yeah I know yeah so especially with I mean there's so much scary stuff going on in the U.S. right now but I like meeting more and more people and like trying to understand more about what makes this country so fraught with conflict and unique and beautiful in different ways I know it's just like a bouquet of messy beauty yeah insane yeah right now you're talking about getting another van Mm -hmm. you're really into tiny living Mm -hmm. but you own your home I do and so it's kind of been this well can I have a van can I have both what is that looking like for you? I feel like we've been talking about that since we met. Yeah. <laughs> through two different houses that I've owned. I, I live in a condo now in Northwest Portland, which is like very downtown feeling. Um, there's like lots of coffee shops and restaurants and I can walk everywhere, which I love. But I'm definitely getting the itch to have new environments around me. Mm-hmm. And just the simplicity of being in a vehicle and being able to follow stories and bring my my home with me, mm-hmm. since home is so important to me and to you, mm-hmm. to be able to travel, but like bring that source of comfort yeah. along is, sounds so perfect. I know. And you had a van. I did have a van. <laughs> we, do- a- we talked about it in the last episode, but yeah. you, you had a van. I'm going to get a more reliable van this time. <laughs> Brittany was on her way over here to see us in Montana and she's like it's so nice driving because she drove her Subaru and she's like it's so nice driving when you're not worried about breaking down the Mm -hmm. whole time (laughs) or when you're not slowly breaking down down. (laughs) (laughs) it's my alternator uh snapped like two hours into the last drive and I didn't realize it and it was just slowly dying oh my god (laughs) 
I wanted to just pop into the episode real quick to announce this week's sponsor on the podcast, Coco Glow. The amazing founders of Coco Glow, Emily and Nicole, were on episode 28 of the podcast and shared about how they founded this incredible brand. So be sure to head back and listen to that episode. They call Coco Glow ingestible beauty. <laughs> and when I heard about that, I was like, ooh, I can be even more beautiful and eat it. Okay, sign me up. And it's a 100% plant-based beauty food that's so simple and fun to incorporate into your daily routine. I've personally been using Coco Glow, which you guys have seen, for the last probably six months daily. And I can't express how beneficial this has been for my skin, for my hair, for my connection to myself. And these ingestible powders are filled with all the adaptogens you could ever need, ancient Chinese herbs, antioxidant-rich raw ingredients. They support hormonal balance, a healthy immune system, and they just keep you feeling fucking energized as hell. Uh, when I found Coco Glow, I was initially drawn to their aesthetics because anyone who knows me knows I need everything in my kitchen to be beautiful and their packaging is so stunning and it's bright and vibrant and you just can't wait to use it every day. And I love how unlike other powders, these go a really long way, you know, they just last. You're not having to make an order every other week like this. You can just enjoy it for a really long time and I personally love the beauty blend. It's rich in color and flavor and I sprinkle it over my smoothie bowls in the morning. I also love the classic. I put this in my coffee every day and it's just turned into such a huge part of my daily self-care ritual. And I always like use, just to paint the picture, I get my favorite mug, I use one of my little hand-carved spoons, I unscrew the lid and I just, yeah, I take in all the smells and the whole experience and I just geek out over it. So it's just so lovely. And they also have the daily broth, which is a great midday pick-me-up. Um, if I'm feeling sluggish, instead of running straight to coffee like I want to, I'll have a little cup of daily broth. You just add it um, with hot water and it's just a really cozy, comforting drink, especially on a colder day. So Coco Glow uh, has graciously offered Mudlark listeners 20% off your first order by entering the code MUDLARK at checkout. So M-U-D-L-A-R-K at checkout. And once you get your Coco Glow, um, tag me and them and show us how you're enjoying it. It's just so fun to see what people do with it. And they also have a ton of incredible recipes on their blog where you can find other ways to incorporate the products into your everyday. So I'll leave that in the show notes and let's get back to the show. What bands are you looking at? I mean, I kind of know, but I want the listeners to hear. Yeah. Um, I've been looking at Sprinters and uh, Promasters, Transits, Nissan Envies. Mm. I love like the retro vans, the look, but I really want something reliable yeah I don't think I care enough about the look on the outside to focus Mm -hmm. on that um but I think that camping and camper vans it's already a big thing I think it's going to be an even bigger thing as people start venturing back out into the world but still feel a little bit unsure about staying in hotels and stuff Mm -hmm. so my plan is to be able to buy a nicer one and finance it and then rent it out right another passive income stream yes well barely passive yeah yeah Yeah, that's you and I talk about that all the time too um just these different portals for income what are some that you're looking at um 
Well, the van. I guess that's the... Yeah. 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 And the newsletter isn't so passive, but I think of it as being a passive thing because I just love doing it. Um, right. And right now it's free. Right. But um, if I think every creative should know about Substack. That's the service that Ooh, talk I about it. host my newsletter on. Um, a lot of writers and all sorts of creatives are starting newsletters on Substack, Substack, S-U-B, Stack. Um, and it's just a really simple platform for sending something out weekly that you charge a subscription fee for. And the typical fee is $5 a month. So it's like a very affordable, approachable thing for people to sign up for if and it's a great way to just build your own audience of people that appreciate your voice and what you offer. It's a little bit more personal than just like going to a blog or a website where there are a bunch of writers. It, right. Coming straight from someone to your inbox is like just a nice thing. Is it different than like MailChimp or? Um, it- Substack's defining thing is just they make it really easy to charge for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't think you can charge for MailChimp. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I will, in the next month, start charging for that subscription. That'll be so great. Yeah. And it's just like, like you said, I mean, it can be so affordable, but it's value. It's valuable and you should be paid for it. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like I pack that thing with value. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's so hard for me. And I know it's getting better, like with my company, Honeysuckle and Mud, to be able to charge for my work Mm -hmm. and my wisdom when it comes to like creative living but you and I talked about it the other day it's still hard sometimes like I have blocks around charging for certain things yeah you know like I just have a hard time charging for anything like wellness related I definitely have just some of that like imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. I'm like who the fuck am I I'm a little monster I don't have anything (laughs) like how are they gonna pay me for that yeah it is hard I it's a mental block for me as well I think when it's something that's so personal to you putting a price tag on it is really difficult I think that's it it Mm -hmm. must be that right because you're like I'm selling myself (laughs) yeah totally that is so it and like your your newsletter I mean you that's your whole heart Mm -hmm. and yeah I want to really work on that like working through that I don't really know what to do but help me I think it's good to go back and think (laughs) about things you've paid for yeah because I've paid for a lot of creativity yeah uh how to's and right courses yeah and I only buy it if I really feel like I like and trust the person behind it so right you just have to trust that people are gonna buy it because they want more of who you are and what you're offering Mm, I need to like staple that like to my forehead because (laughs) it's a write it on your mirror yeah just or that that'd be a little a little sweeter um yeah it's just a huge block and I think a lot of creatives struggle with that Mm -hmm. you know it's like oh but especially people in wellness. Oh my God. Or like spirituality. They're like, but I, I mean, yoga teacher. Oh my God. How can I charge for that? Like, it's just, you innately want to help people if you're in that industry. So charging, like you feel like you're putting up a barrier to who you can help, but as long as you're charging fairly, I think that's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky one. It is. Um, are any, is anyone in your family entrepreneurs? Um, actually my mom had her own, uh, curtain sewing business when I was growing up. Oh, so yeah, kind of. Yeah. So yeah. you had someone that you were able to witness that and 
see it as a reality. Yeah, definitely. Was she successful in it? She was. I mean, I was little. I don't know exactly how it went. And now she works for uh, a furniture and design company, which she's been doing for a long time. But yeah, she really loved sewing on her own. And she also ran daycare out of her house. So Right. Yeah, that's always so interesting to see what people actually saw growing up because I think that's, I mean, such a mirror into how we're showing up in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, if we didn't see that something was possible. Yeah, then or, you have to seek that out as then, an adult. Yeah, then you have to seek that out. It's so crazy. I want to hear um, more about one more question. Have you seen this kind of thing modeled to you before? Like, are there do you have expanders or do you have people that you look at and you're like, holy shit, like they are monetizing their work through newsletters or they're able to do this. Mm -hmm. Have you had that? Um, yes, not until recently. The newsletter thing is definitely a new thing for me. Um, but I did have a writer friend who reached out and was like, I see you're going freelance again. Have you thought about a newsletter? And he's starting one of his own. Um, he's a brilliant writer. His name's Mike Soudin. He, I interviewed him in one of the Q&As a couple weeks ago. Um, So he has been doing a lot of research into that and has had successful ones in the past. So he's kind of been pushing me towards it, which has been great. Oh, I love that. Yeah. He's a little cheerleader. He is. He's he's wonderful. Um, So he's been one. I don't, I haven't had like newsletters that I've been following for a long time just because I kind of recently jumped into this, but Anne Friedman's is a really popular one. I think it's just her name. Yeah. Uh, but I know she makes she has a ton of subscribers and yeah. does very well with her newsletter. So cool. And then Heated, actually. That's another one. That is by climate um, environmental journalist Emily Atkin. And I believe she was previously at the New Republic. She was like a full-time journalist, quit that job, now does this newsletter full-time. And it's just entirely independent climate journalism that she does she finds the stories she writes them up she sends out two or three a week and she's doing like she's uncovering big stories all in her own oh that's amazing yeah and she's making way more money than she ever made as a full-time journalist so that's been really cool to see oh those are the things you have to see it's so inspiring you're like it is fucking possible yeah she's doing it i gotta do it too yeah (laughs) oh that's so wonderful and do you have like a one more question website or is it is that how it works um it's all hosted through substack so it's substack I think it's one more question.com slash substack. Okay. Yeah. We'll link everything yeah, in the Google show notes. <laughs> yeah. And what are the main things you're covering with people? Is it like, I mean, pitches mm-hmm. and what um, else? So let's see. We've talked about how to find the balance between the work that really excites you and the work that brings in money. I think mm-hmm. that every journalist at this point kind of has to take on, not has to, but it's good to have a mix of the type of work that you do. Um, so finding clients that you write content for, maybe that's like website copy or their blog or um, doing social media, that kind of stuff. Um, having a mix of that, but still feeling excited about your work and leaving time for the journalism, if that's the mix that you're looking for. We've talked about that a lot. Um talked about travel writing a bit because I think that is one niche in journalism that people are kind of scared is going to struggle but we're already seeing that people are going to start traveling again yeah absolutely as soon as they can yeah and 
people are going to be able to social distance in that way, mm-hmm. especially if they're doing a van life situation yeah. or whatever. When are you going to start traveling? As soon as you get your van? I'm thinking about a cross-country road trip for late July. Okay. I'm still like, I think we're all still assessing how much of that is safe and how to do it right. But I feel like in a van, it's pretty self-contained. We're like, I don't need to stop in a lot of places. Right. Come into contact with a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so my family's having a big uh, reunion on the East Coast. So if I can get my van in the next month, that'll be the next trip. Oh, that would be so amazing. And mm-hmm. you writing one more question mm-hmm. each week from yeah. your van. Yeah, that'd be that, fun. <laughs> that, won't that kind of feel like you made it? Like when you have that experience? Like really riding on the road, riding yeah. on the road. That's that's the dream. Yeah, and it's happening. It is. It is fucking happening. <laughs> I mean, it's happening now. I mean, you and I were at the hot springs yesterday, and you were like working on a paper, a project that you were. Yeah, that's needed. true. It's happening. It's here. Yeah, it is here. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> um, and what else do you talk about in there? Um, this last one. This last one was the hardest one for me to write. Um, so, the uh murder of George Floyd is what we're all talking about right now and police brutality and racism and those are all really scary topics to address and knowing whether or not it's appropriate for you to address them especially with like a professional thing like you see a lot of brands trying to get into these sticky topics and like not doing them justice just like trying to get involved and Um, yeah, I was, I was really nervous about talking about that because I think it's another thing where a lot of writers are like, how do I fit into this? Should I be writing about the protests? If I'm a white writer, is that not my place? Which I've thought about a lot. Um, there's a, there's a big focus right now on making more space for black writers and black voices. And that's so, so important. But I also know there are people of all colors who are struggling to find work and I think when we see that we're getting divided in any ways that makes people scared about well what what should I be doing right now and where is my place in this and what do I write about if I shouldn't be writing about this right um so I tried to address when it's not your story to tell and being okay with that like I don't think it's my place to I've talked about it with my friends a lot and I think I'm having really important really hard conversations about white privilege and everything that black people have faced in this country that I'm so unaware of for most of my life and that most of us are so unaware of Mm -hmm. Uh, but when it comes to writing about these issues I think it's so much more important obviously for black writers to be taking those stories and enlightening us on that element of their lives um so just like coming to terms with like taking a back seat in this huge issue that feels like that's all there is to write about right now but that's not that's not true there there are still the things that you write about and your experiences outside of that oh I love that that's so beautiful and I think it's just what you said it's like it doesn't mean that writers need to stop writing that's so not the truth no we can't you can't (laughs) stop writing it's just it's almost like that stay in your lane kind of thing Mm -hmm. is that rude to say I don't know I don't think so it's it's complicated yeah like we don't want to put uh 
the responsibility on black people to like relive their trauma and like educate all of us while we're grappling with like oh racism exists (laughs) you know like it shouldn't be their responsibility but also we have to make room for them to tell us what this is to them there should have been more diversity in publications the whole time and now we're seeing that because that's a really awkward controversial thing that editors are running into where they're like oh I want more black writers to write about this and it's like well why don't you have them already yeah and I felt that I I was kind of stuck with my newsletter in that topic as well because I've not interviewed any black writers for the Q&A right and that's kind of embarrassing to say yeah but it's like now I don't want to just suddenly be like calling all black writers yeah that feels disingenuous but I want the diversity and I yeah I think that's it. That is it. It's like wanting that and saying you want that. It's not like, I mean, just like me in the last episode where I talked about Nashe Snow and her being my only black friend. Now I'm not (laughs) going to go out and just try to befriend only black people so I can say I have more black friends. Like that's not what's going on right now. It's just the awareness and saying, I want to learn and I want to have more diversity in my life. Uh I hope that happens soon. Yes. Same. And I think we have to just, as white people, especially right now, we just have to be okay with fucking up. Yeah. And sounding stupid. Yeah. And if you're, it's so much better than not talking about it. Yeah. So I was super nervous about putting out anything that had to do with these topics, but it was like, yeah, I'm not going to ignore it. It's all I'm thinking about right now. It's all anyone's thinking about, it seems. So I'd rather like acknowledge say something it. not quite right than not say anything at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know I did a Instagram live, which made me literally want to shit my pants because I don't like doing those anyways. But then I was talking about white privilege and I just have always grown up in rural areas and mm-hmm. like mountain town in Oregon. Now I'm in Northwest Montana and I just did not have a lot of black people ever around me. Yeah, and same. I was like, Connecticut. Ta- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, I mean, it's kind of like that, the, what is it? The product of your, your product of your environment. Yeah. They talk about that. It's like, I just never was around it. And so when I was talking and doing the Instagram live, I was like shaking. Oh, like I felt like I was going to get sick because I didn't want to say anything wrong. Mm -hmm. But even there, just acknowledging, I said, I was like, I'm going to sound stupid because I am around certain topics, but I just need to talk about how I'm experiencing this you want to learn we all just have to be open to that yeah yeah exactly and I think I mean you and I are in these leadership roles in our business and Mm -hmm. just helping people um give people permission to explore like the uncomfortable parts of themselves and we do that by doing that ourselves yes you know yeah it was your live that kind of pushed me to actually write about that oh good see it's (laughs) like that trickle like it's we just have to be talking and it doesn't have to be right yeah and it's a reminder I mean this time is so extreme and how we're facing it and dealing with it and just like the potency of it in this moment but this should be our mindset all the time of just trying to learn and be open to things that we're not correct about or Mm -hmm. just not exposed to and Right. Yeah. What are some things, this is kind of a swing, but it just popped into my mind. So I want to ask, what are some things that you 
want to write about but feel like you don't or like you don't feel like you have Mm. like maybe enough courage around it yet I mean you write very vulnerably and talk about things that are hard but yeah I just wonder if there's anything that pops into your mind question um gosh well okay so I think about the question of whether or not to have kids in the future as it relates to my focus not entirely how it relates but I could also consider the climate so I am reading about these horrible horrible things that are going to happen to the world if we don't make drastic changes and I'm educating people about how we do need to make drastic changes in the work that I do and trying to find um that like weighing those two things together Mm -hmm. putting a child on the earth is like the biggest carbon footprint that you can have (laughs) right um but it's also like if you want to have kids you should (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a weird thing so that's always a weird topic to me and a lot of people have written about it but um I do get kind of like prickly when I hear about like people having lots of kids yeah and I'm like do you know that you know how much food they're gonna eat yeah (laughs) Yeah. And like how many resources they're going to use that we don't have right now. And that's that's definitely a, a scary thing. To, I mean, I don't judge people for having a lot of kids, but that issue is scary but for I, me to but, talk but about. But I'm judging you but right I now. I judge you a little bit. <laughs> but I do judge you just a little bit. But why? No, yeah, no, I know. It's, I mean, with Mudlark, the podcast, it's, we talk about the things that are you know, sometimes hard to talk about. That's like the know, kind of me sweat. Jesus. <laughs> you're like, I'm actually soaking wet. <laughs> Look at my armpits. <laughs> um, but yeah, the times where I feel the most scared of sharing are the times I know I need to share the most. Mm. And it's because it's, it's usually in regards to me just standing in my power more and being able to just own all parts of myself. But like you were with me when I was writing the Instagram post about yeah. like my daddy issues and the father wound and stuff like that. It's and scary. It's, it's scary because it's like it, people have a lot of their own opinions on that. And mm-hmm. it just, anytime we open up a door for potential judgments. Oh yeah. It's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying, but yeah. it's important. Anything about family is always scary to write about. For sure. We talked about that. Like yeah. you just, your family is who you don't want to hurt but also like so much of who we are is shaped by like the things that weren't quite perfect in our families right so that is something I definitely shy away from yeah I know it's me too I mean I any stranger out there any friend out there I'm like you can read anything or hear Mm -hmm. anything on the podcast I mean I've shared everything but then even when my grandpa reached out the other day and he's like, I listened to the episode with ah. Scott. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you listened to the episode? <laughs> I'm like, you're no. supposed to listen to the podcast? No. I like freaking dumped the podcast. I don't even know how to do that. I just deleted it I, from existence. I'm like, it's gone. Um, Yeah. Family. They just, there's just like so much to lose like in our, our little, like inner child. Mm-hmm. So it's just scary. Yeah. It's crazy town. What would your advice be? Uh, for someone just starting to kind of dip their toe in this idea of making the transition from working for someone to really going after what their heart is calling. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
you've provided the similar advice before and it's stuck with me, but it's also worked really well for me. So I'm going to steal it. Reaching out to people that are doing what you want to be doing, I think has been the biggest thing for me. And just having conversations that are honest with people that have done this and hearing how it's not going to be perfect, Mm -hmm. but you can still make it work. Right. So that's kind of my goal with the newsletter is to be that voice of like, I'm not the expert yet. I'm kind of figuring this out as I go. But yeah. if you read along, you're going to learn with me. Yeah. you're. I mean, you're blazing the trail and you're like, come on, guys, let's yeah. go. Yeah. And I want to be honest about when it's really hard and mm-hmm. when I run out of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, when I run out of money tomorrow. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You should definitely subscribe to my newsletter when I run out of money. <laughs> No, but do really her newsletter is so good and it would be awesome. Um, would on the Substack, Substack, mm-hmm. they should be sponsoring this episode by the way today. Yeah, we're we, talking about them a lot. Yeah. Well, I'll reach out <laughs> after. Um, but can you see past newsletters? Yeah, you can see them all. Oh, and so even when you're charging, people will be able to see the past ones. Um, if you're a paying subscriber. So right oh, okay. now they're, they're all free. So okay. you can see all of them. Cool. And the, what's cool about Substack is it's, it's a newsletter, but it's on your page all the time. So it essentially is a blog. Okay. Um, and then once I switch to paid, if you're paid, you'll be able to see all of them. And if not, you'll still be able to see like every three or four. I'll do free ones. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be great for the listeners to go and find you and just like, I mean, you, you just share so much about yourself through there. And I mean, there's so many like actionable, especially if you're wanting to become a writer. It's like, Thanks. I hope so. Yeah. It's and I want to make myself really like I want it to be not just me talking to people. Right. You can hit reply on a newsletter and reach me. Yeah. So and I, I've put I've put it out there that I'm happy to provide. Oh, my gosh. There's a hummingbird outside your door. Oh, <laughs> it flew away. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> hummingbird. <laughs> so pretty. Uh, yeah, I've said in a couple of past newsletters, like if you have things you're working on, you want feedback on them. If you want help with pitches or trying to figure out where to send something, I'm happy to help. Oh. So I want it to be a conversation, not just me yelling at not yelling, talking to people. <laughs> Do this. <laughs> That's so wonderful. Yeah. Um, what is the most challenging thing in your life right now? Um, how I feel about money. Mm-hmm. I think I have this big block that it's always going to be an uphill battle. Like if I want to be a writer, I'm always going to be kind of broke and like my student loans are always going to be there and I just have to accept that I'll never be able to pay them off but the more I think about it and the more I talk to people that are doing this and have found a way to make it work like that's not the case you can turn things around so quickly and it's so crazy to see how I mean you can spend your money and go broke really quickly but you can just as easily flip it the other way and like find a new source of income and feel comfortable and I I know that I'm getting to that right. but it's still a big block for me like my student loans are a huge block for me right well I mean like even yesterday or a day before when we were driving out to the hot springs like we were just like at the drop of a hat coming up with all these income possibilities yeah. income potentials there's just as many out there as there are like possibilities that we could lose money like it's just yeah. but we put so much weight on 
money. And I think we tie some, I do, I tie my worth to it often. Like I'm like, like if I, if we have a huge week, thousands of dollars coming in, I feel really great. Mm -hmm. Like on my game, I'm like, God, I'm fucking worth it. Like, holy shit. And then if we have like four days where there's nothing, it's like, I feel my self-worth like kind of going with it. And I know we shouldn't tie it to that and we can't tie it to that how like it's just about how to stop doing that especially as freelancers because that's always going to be the case even when you have it figured out you're gonna have slow months because everything comes and goes right and it's not guaranteed so you know you could be killing it and all of a sudden lose a big client or a big account or suddenly there's a global pandemic pandemic and people cancel all their yeah airbnb reservations that you rent out totally like you have no idea what's gonna happen so you've been a big expander for me and like opening multiple doors at once so that mm-hmm. if one shuts, you yeah. still have some stuff coming in. And yeah. that's something I'm really trying to work on right now. I know. And it's like, it, people will sometimes be like, wow, you are doing a lot. Do you ever like think of like cutting back a little, like just focus here. And I'm like, up until the pandemic, the majority of our income was through our Airbnb and group gatherings. Mm-hmm. Both of those completely shut. Had I not had our products portal open or this over here or that over there, we would have been fucked. Yeah. That's so scary to think. Yeah. And it was like in the money that poured in to produce our largest month in the history of our company was one that wasn't making any money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you know, crazy. So it's like, we need to trust those, those ideas, those pings that come to us of potential income streams because they could save you. Absolutely. But we need a lot of them. You do. Yeah. You really do. It's freaking crazy. <laughs> um, what are you most proud of right now? Mm. Um, I'm most proud of my writing. I guess just like my, I feel like in looking at my body of work, I'm just getting closer and closer to like my authentic voice and knowing who I am as a writer. I don't love everything I put out into the world and I'm, always trying to grow and be better but I'm getting more confident in what I can offer and that feels really good Mm, that's the best yeah that's so great and where can our listeners connect with you um you can find me on one more (laughs) one more question substack (laughs) I forget the order but we'll link it to it yeah um and also social media I'm on twitter at brit seeing stars b-r-i-t one t seeing stars and instagram same handle mm, and we'll link the best places <laughs> well thank you so much for coming back on the show thank i love you so me. much and we should go for a hike now play outside okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much as always for listening i hope you love that episode and are feeling inspired to really just take the leap step into a life that is so reflective of your heart and your creativity if you have not yet rated or reviewed the show please head over to itunes and rate it five stars and just say a little blurb about what you get from the podcast share it with a friend share it with a family member this is what gets mudlark out there i love you so much have a wonderful week bye